Welcome to each one here this morning. Glad to see some visitors here. Glad to see a bunch of regulars here too. Welcome to you in Jesus' precious name. Our God is still a miracle, miracle doing God. I'm amazed. Going to look at a sermon here this morning. Continuation of kingdom principles at Ringy Bales. I know it started many, many months ago. A number of weeks ago, we looked at love, not the world. That's a kingdom principle. But actually, this series of messages were written several years ago. <clears throat> and I knew this sermon here was supposed to be preached here this morning, Lord willing. <clears throat> and I have a spot on my desk where I put these sermons I'm supposed to preach. And, and last week, I started thinking and praying about this, and I looked exactly where it was to be, and it was not there. Now, um, the idea of writing a new one was okay, but it wasn't a pleasant thought. When I knew I already had it worked through. And so I looked everywhere. I have a file of all my sermons, and it's a large file, I'll be honest. And it's categorized in certain ways. There's, there's some similitude of organization to it. And I couldn't find it high or low in there. <clears throat> then my good wife gave me a suggestion. She had a thumb drive for our old computer that this one would have been on. And I looked there and it was not there. I couldn't find it. So then several nights ago I said, you know, I prayed, Lord, you can can provide this message you can do that it's not a big thing for you even though it was a big thing for me <clears throat> and so I looked at that thumb drive and here I found it there the only thing is about finding an old sermon is you don't have all the new thoughts that you've put down on it these things grow amazingly and and that's what you like but at least I found the old one I mean the old a, a fresh one I wrote I printed it off and I went over and I set it where this one belonged. And there it was, sitting there. This one sitting there. And I looked there multitudes of times. The stock wasn't, I mean, this wasn't a cluttered mess. I mean, it, it might be a new, it was a well-organized mess. And there wasn't that much there. And it was there. And I, I don't know if it come out of the clouds or how. Or if I just had blindness. But I'll just tell you the Lord provided it. And I'm praising the Lord. He can provide miracles. Amen. It didn't all happen back in Egypt many years ago or on the cross when, I mean, in Jesus' life. It still happens today. I just, I couldn't believe it. So I thought you wanted to know how I feel about this. I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. I did pray a whole lot, I'll be honest. I prayed a lot about it, but I did pray a little differently that evening, several evenings ago. I said, Lord, you, I know you can provide this. It's no problem for you. And it wasn't. It wasn't. So I'm rejoicing in the Lord in another miracle. Well, we're looking at kingdom principles. And we've already looked at a good number. The first a long time ago was obedience. The next one was doeth righteousness and doesn't, does not practice sin. The fourth one was love not the world. And we're going to look at two more, Lord willing, this morning. <clears throat> and the first one is spoken in, these are all from 1 John. And we know that there is two kingdoms and either one or the other. 
And thank God us as Christians, we're in the kingdom of God. And so these are principles that just are natural outflowings of having God as our Lord and Jesus as our Savior and the Lord of our life. And we're obeying the word of God. This is just a natural outflowing that we should have in this world, in this life. And these last two are, I think, things that we really enjoy. I hope we enjoy them all, okay? Even though I'm not so sure that sometimes... They're as easy as we like, but these two, I think, are much easier. 1 John 3, verses 10 to 16. First John 3, verse 10, where it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whosoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And so the, the, the fifth kingdom principle is loving the brotherhood. And what a, what a beautiful thing to experience and have in our lives is, is love for each other. And he says... That really starts out here, the last verse kind of explains it real well. It says, you know, you each have a savior. You, you've been saved. If you're in the kingdom of God and as his children we are, you have a savior that laid down his life, was willing to lay down his life. And he laid down his life for his body, the church. But before they were his, uh, in this kingdom, they were his enemies. They were alienated from him. And he still laid down his life that much because he loved us. And that's a divine love. That is not a human love because humanly speaking, when when people oppose a person, they don't like them. In fact, it said there in verse 12, it talked about Cain. You know, Cain, uh, you know, he didn't like Abel because he was jealous of him. I think there was some jealousy here. didn't exactly say that, but you have to wonder. And so he was righteous, and he was doing righteous. Abel was doing righteous, and Cain didn't like it. So you know what? He murdered him, and he murdered him. And you know, in uh, church where there wouldn't be murder, but maybe they wouldn't get along with him. Maybe they would have indifference. But he said, no, 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 no. Let's think realistically. Jesus, he loved us with a, a sacrificial love. I love that transcends everything. I mean, it isn't related on being loved by them. It's because they're your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they're an asset in the kingdom. In fact, it starts out in verse 10 where it says, look, there's a children of God and there's a children of the devil. And he said, you know what? The children of the devil, they practice unrighteousness but the children of God, and they don't love their brother. Oh, 
They don't like them. You know, they, you know, they don't think like them. They have some oddity about them. In other words, we would say, does not love him. It doesn't say he hates him. You know, he doesn't love him. Hmm. You know, it's wonderful to realize that every Christian has gifts that Jesus wants to use. In fact, every person has gifts that Jesus wants to use in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> also, most people have oddities that are dislikable by a certain bracket. Now, you know, I don't like to think that, but we might as well be realistic. You know, you find people that really fit in well with you. What about the ones that don't? <laughs> and this is just a fact of life. But I praise God, in this body, we're all the, a family. And there's some eyeballs in almost every family, but they need love too. Because the fact of the matter is, and I've come to the startling realization many years ago, that each one of us is an eyeball in the sight of somebody. Yeah, that's probably true. But you know what? That isn't the point. The point is we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's the point. The point is, you're an asset. You're all needed in the kingdom of God. So we love one another. We don't focus on the differences. We don't focus on the oddities. Now, if there's, if there's spiritual sins, and we're not talking about spiritual sins, okay? That's a different bracket. We care about those. We focus on loving them. You know why? Because one of the best ways the world and everybody to know that you and I are truly born again is when you can sit down in a brotherhood and say, I love every one of them. I love them from my heart. Because you know what? That takes divine grace. That takes divine grace. That isn't just natural. But that's so beautiful that each one of us can shine of divine grace and love. It's beautiful. No one says in Romans 13, verse 8, Oh, no man anything but another $10, but to get along with them, that's a challenge, but to love one another. Oh, no man anything but to love one another, for that he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. Isn't that beautiful? We said, I tell you, Jesus knew from the very get go that the body of Christ would have his challenges because we're human. And Jesus had hum, uh, worked with humans too. But he said, you know what? When you have Jesus in your heart, you love everybody. And especially in the brotherhood. Love for one another in the brotherhood in the church of God. <clears throat> in other words, if you don't want to love, it's your responsibility to do it anyway. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's pretty plain, but I think that's correct, you know. Now, why would that be such, why would God have to make this such a paramount thing in his kingdom? <clears throat> because if you think through this, because if we don't love our brethren, there's a reason why, correct? There's a reason why. Could it be jealousy? Could it be unforgiveness? Could it be the devil making me focus on the wrong things. Bad attitudes come. Could it be? 
It is never a spiritual thing to not get along with your brother and sister. It's never a spiritual. It's not from God, in other words. I praise God that he, that he can say and he can lay it out. Look, we get to love one another. We get to focus on the good. We get to encourage that. It has great results. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm glad that we here at the peak get to be a perfect church. If we're perfectly loving one another. Well, that is the bond of completeness. Completeness. Is that what's perfectness? Because I, uh, I don't know how we feel perfect a lot of times. But, but it was that love that brings us together is, uh, makes us complete in Jesus. It's wonderful. Another rendering is, and above all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Isn't that beautiful? And that's, that's what God wants. You know, we don't, it is so good to have other contributions from uh, other thoughts. And we had them in Sunday school this morning. And I enjoyed that uh, very much. And at the same time, we come out solidified to follow Jesus. Not to give in to temptations, Right? And uh, it, it strengthened our faith. Everybody that's a Christian wants to be a part of a church that gets along. And it is sad to notice <clears throat> that so many times if, if you go around this fair land, there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of undercurrents in churches. There's a lot. I hope there's none here. I don't know of any. I praise God for that. But, you know, the devil loves to make uh, tension, tension, friction. You know, we keep it under tow. I've been to church one time, and they were having a good time. There's a fellowship meal, and they were getting along. And I said, wow, that's amazing. He said, if you only knew what was going on on the surface. I praise God that don't need to happen. That doesn't need to happen. You know, we can, we, can, we can love each other from sincerity. Love is a choice. It is for your partner. It is for your neighbors. And it is for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's a choice. And we can choose not to have a bad attitude. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to forbear. Because these are all godly virtues that God wants us to have. You know, and yet there's little things come in. You know, why did they say that about me? You know, have you ever thought that? Well, that wasn't kind at all. Why did they leave me out? Uh, write the list down. You know, the devil tempts us. The devil tempts us to think these things. Well, I praise God we don't have to live in that arena. Fellowship is a very important aspect of church life. 1 John 1, verse 7, I'd like to read that. 1 John 1, verse 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So walking in the light and having fellowship. You know what? If we don't have good fellowship, it says we're walking in darkness. And that is not an option for Christians. As, as a body of believers and personally, we want to walk and we must walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And praise God when we do that, we have fellowship one with another because we're all sincere about following Jesus. 
and, that, and, and, and we have been recipients of that love, and we want to pass it on. Yeah, we love the light, and light brings harmony. Light brings harmony to a, a church. Now, going back another chapter, 1 John 2, verses 9 and 10. 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, And who says he is in the light and hates his brother, he is in darkness until now. And who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. In other words, this man, this person, they care how they live. They want to walk circumspectly before Jesus. And so subsequently, they're walking carefully not to make their brothers and sisters stumble in the Lord. What a wonderful fellowship that, that is to realize they care about brotherhood. They care about building love. You know, they wash the feet of their brothers and sisters on a regular basis. It's not just in word, it's in action. It's beautiful to see. The world knows that love isn't automatic. The world knows that not getting along with people that are different than you is natural. And you know what? The world also knows that getting along with a variety of people is divine and it's beautiful. They know that. And it speaks of the divine presence of the Lord. Well, the word speaks in uh, 1 John even more to this issue. Actually, I'm, if you read 1 John, it's just woven in and out, loving the brotherhood. That's part of doing righteousness, okay? And 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12, I'd like to read that at this time, verses 7 to 12. Beloved, let us one, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not God, not, excuse me, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was the manifested, the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, there it is again. He said, you know, we haven't seen God, but we love him. And God dwells in us. And one of the manifestations of God dwelling in us is his love shining in and through us. And then his love is perfected in us. Now, I suspect that most of us would agree it's being perfected. <laughs> and yet, you know what? When we're willing to forgive as Jesus did and we strive our best, you know, it's very clear that we can have a supernatural love. Praise God we can live this way. Verse 8 speaks the bold truth. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It is an imperative. May I say, it's an imperative, but it's also a privilege. It's also a privilege. It's a privilege to love one another, to encourage one another. And in verse 11, is such a warm truth. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Jesus loved us first. He was a, a wonderful example. How is this love perfected in us? <clears throat> uh, it's... 
Uh, how is that, is that done? Well, let's look now a few more verses, verses uh, 20 to 21. Well, now, let me jump down to verse 17. That also talks about it too, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's stunning to realize as Jesus is, so are his people, the ones of his kingdom. You know, Jesus had no enemies. In fact, I had to think about Peter. Peter was kind of a, well, I think we'd say he was the kind that would have been easy maybe to dislike or at least see some problems with. You know what I mean? There's a few of them in the church. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. He's one of the inner circle. One of the close three. Hmm. It's amazing. How many do we have in our close circle that we feel like that about? We would see. And you know, Jesus knew about Judas from the start. He was one of the disciples. Yeah. So as he is, so that's where we're going to be. I'm telling you, friends, this is a warm, loving brotherhood we're talking about. This, this, the grace of God in love is just oozing from these people. And that's wonderful. In the day and age, <clears throat> When being judgmental and critical seems to be uh, a temptation of Satan. And when we tend to, you know, he just loves when we use that type of perception to tear one another down. Verse 20 and 21 also speaks to this. If someone say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this command we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Pretty straightforward. Well, I praise God that we can love him, even though we can't see him. And I praise God we can love our brothers and sisters who we do see. I praise God for that. And that doesn't, and even though it might have its challenges, it, it does not have to be a chronic challenge, okay? Uh, it is sometimes, but it don't need to be. I think God cares how we love and live and how it's shown. Yes, I was really blessed that a number of different people said they was praying for me this week. That's love. That's love. I tell you, and I, I'm, I'm just so glad that we have the ability to keep up with problems and situations. And you know, I think for Jay, Roar, and Sally, and Cheryl, and Michael, you know, sometimes we don't know what to do, but we can pray, and that's love too. I tell you, that's, that's, that's real kingdom building. <clears throat> Showing it in word and in action is, is really, really a privilege. No wonder it says in John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love 
one to another. Now, why was that a new commandment? They had been, they had been told to love the Jews from the start. Did you ever think of the why he said this is a new commandment? You know why? Because he said, as I have loved you. Jesus wasn't an example before he walked on this earth. But he said, look, as I have loved you. I think we all can express in our lives and in our hearts, in our minds, that Jesus' love is unfathomable. It's, it's, we can't really describe it because really, we, don't, we didn't deserve it, but we, 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 was, we was recipients anyhow. And it's, it's an amazing love. It's a sacrificial love. And you know, if that continues in our heart and works out in the lives of our church, I tell you, our, the church bodies will radiate of the presence of Jesus. And there's nothing better. There's nothing better that we can have. And show to Jesus and the community around us, oh, how they love one another. What a beautiful testimony. What a lovely testimony. Now for the sixth kingdom principle is, in the same chapter where we started, 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3. Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, wherefore the love no, the world knoweth not us, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, Jesus, is pure. Every, and the one, one of the qualities that are, is there in the kingdom of God, they're looking forward to Jesus' return. <clears throat> you know, here it said, we're living in the last days. And you believe that, don't you? You believe that? We're living in the last days? <clears throat> And I do know that uh, the more we see the evil around us and the deplorable things of mankind, the more we, the more our heart yearns for heaven. I hope you're there. I hope you're there. It does seem the comforts this world affords we sing something like that. Sometimes makes us comfortable down here, maybe too comfortable. But I'm telling you, when we see it spiritually, <clears throat> from the eyes of God, the way this world is going, and how that we are not, we're in this world, but we are absolutely not of this world. We're not going to go there. Then he says, look, I've got a bright future for you. But it might not, it probably is not over here. Your bright future is over there with Jesus. If you have a bright future here, woe unto us. We've come too earthly minded. But you know, we're heavenly minded because we're the sons of God. Did you mention that twice? Sons of God. Sons of God. There's nothing more precious. 
and realize that every child of God here this morning is a son or daughter of God. Now that's your family. That's your family. And that's why, you know, some people get really close to their family. And there's a lot of blessings in having family that believe in Jesus and you get close to. But if you don't have that, you really, you still have the church family, God's family. And it's very close. It loves, it It has a divine love. It helps. It sacrifices. When there's needs, they run. They care. They pray. They do. What a blessing. Sons of God. What a blessing. Children of the king. When we walk with Jesus, there's things that happen. You that have been married long know, hope a little bit, what I'm talking about. When you live with another person for many, many years, that bond can get really close. And I think it's by God's design. If it doesn't, something has interfered. But it can be. And you know, the more you walk with Jesus, and the closer you walk with him, that love for him just passes all understanding. I'm telling you, friends, and I hope you don't have to be an old man or woman to say, I just can't wait to go to heaven. I hope we can say it all the time. I hope our detachment from this world and our affection for Jesus is such that that's the longings of our heart. To imagine that transformation that we're going to have. It says there in verse 2. Beloved, now we're the children of God. It's not yet been revealed what we shall, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Now, I think having a new body would be pretty nice. Back then, I know it would be really nice. The older I get, the more I know it would be really nice. But being like Jesus? That's your future. We get to be like him. Now, that's just almost unimaginable. Now, and I tell you, friends, when you think about that privilege, I wouldn't want to let anything make me miss that mark. Nothing. Nothing. There's no money. There's no prestige. There's no earthly comforts that ever want to beckon us to miss being like Jesus. What a privilege we have. Now, what it says in Philippians 3, verse 21, who shall change our vile body, earthly body, fleshly body, to be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the workings whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What a tremendous blessing to, be, to realize that you and I are going to have a, a body like his glorious body. And I don't know what all that means, but I'm just going to revel in the thought, okay? Yes. No aches, no pains. And we can look at the, uh, the scripture and look at all the blessings of heaven. And what a longing we have in our heart to be there. Zion's praises. Six. 152 speaks of this. Hope you can sing this from the bottom of your heart. What a glorious day that will be. 
652 in Zion's praises. <clears throat> Shall we stand, you that can stand and sing these verses? There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no clouds in the sky, no tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day. Every time I sing that song, warm goosebumps go up down my spine and I have to fight tears. You know what? Jesus will be worth everything. Jesus is worth everything. And I tell you, friends, that when the longing of your hearts gets there, it's wonderful to realize it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And you don't have to have a heart attack to realize that. You don't have to have a friend, a close friend. They just went to the heaven the last couple of days to realize that, friends. But let me tell you, Jesus wants to give us reminders. You could be there today. You could be there today. And it's what a privilege we have. Titus 2 speaks of this also. I'd like to look at a couple verses in Titus 2 for our encouragement. <clears throat> Verses 12 to 14 says, <clears throat> teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, 
and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. What a beautiful, beautiful way looking for that blessed hope. But he's saying, you know what? These people have to say no to something. They said, look, he said, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And we're bombarded with worldly lust. We are in this day and age. And thank God, his people that love him are going to say, no, I'm not going there. I refuse to go there. By the grace of God, I'm going to live soberly. I'm going to live righteously. Because he said, you know, when you're living that way, you watch and pray. You watch and you pray. You're looking for his return. You're living. And that hope within us purifies us. It doesn't defile us. The devil does that. It purifies us. We grow more in his likeness. And we look for his return. <clears throat> I read a clipping a while back. And it says Charles Fuller once announced that he would be speaking the, uh, the next Sunday on heaven. During that week, a beautiful letter was received from an old man who was very ill. The following is a part of the letter. Next Sunday, you are to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I hold a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did, I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. For the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than a half a century, I have been searching Sending, excuse me, materials out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be remodeled nor repaired because it will suit me perfectly individually and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundations for they rest on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No lock bolts will be ever be placed upon the doors for no vicious person can ever enter the land where my dwelling stands. Now almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abode in peaceful, in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. There is a valley of great sorrow between the place where I live in, in California and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in the city of gold without passing through the dark valley of shadows. But I am not afraid because my best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He has, he has struck me by, he has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first become acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake me nor leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon next summer, uh, your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home in California. But I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket for heaven has no date marked. For the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go. And I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you someday. 
That's beautiful. I hope we can all say those kinds of words. No wonder it says in Psalms 17, 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. What a blessed hope that we as his children, even though we're in a life of warfare and struggles, can realize by God's grace we were overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ. We tenaciously follow Jesus because he's our love and our passion. And we can't wait to meet him. He's our Savior and the Lord of our lives. He's our everything here and he'll be everything through eternity. God bless you as you serve him faithfully. Shall we have a closing song?